Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and now tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! How about Zion? Lonzo taking a three, big, huge three by Lonzo Ball. Here comes Ingram to the rack. Oh, hold on! Brandon with two on the clock for the win. Yes, Got it! Two tenths yes, of a second to go. Last night it was the NBA suspending its season after Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz tested positive for the coronavirus. This hiatus will be at least 30 days. I really do believe that. Brandon England is the most improved player in this league. The NBA Board of Governors has approved a 22-team restart in Orlando, Florida at Disney World. Ernie, as you mentioned about Zion Williamson, he left the campus and it was because of a medical reason with, with a family member. The Pelicans hope that he will return at some point before the restart, but they're not giving any timetable. Welcome to the Hang Time Podcast. I'm your host, Sekou Smith, here in Atlanta. We are cranking it up as we get closer and closer to the July 30 restart of this NBA season in Orlando. Today, we're talking New Orleans Pelicans with the best voice in the business, Joel Myers, television play-by-play announcer for the Pelicans. Joel, this is such a an interesting time for every team. Obviously, all 22 teams heading to Orlando. But this Pelicans team in particular intrigues because of what's at stake and and certainly the fact that they were in hot pursuit of a playoff bid before the season shut down. How, How does a team with so many young pieces and so many disparate parts reconstitute its chemistry quick enough to take advantage of what's going to be going on in Orlando? Well, it's a good question for continuity purposes because there's so many guys you mentioned, Sekou, that are like Brandon Ingram's 22. Lonzo, we can go down the list with Josh Hart coming over from the Lakers, like Lonzo and Brandon. And then you got Zion, who's he's only 19. He turns this this month, he turns 20. Uh, but it's a super young group. The vets, not worried about Drew Holiday, not worried about Derek Favors or JJ Redick for that matter. And that's the glue of the team, which is great. Uh, but I think it'll be interesting to see if that chemistry they had right before the pandemic hit and everything was shut down on March 11th. Lonzo and Zion were in sync. And Lonzo was playing, don't forget, at least in my estimation, his best basketball of his professional life. He was really coming around. He was hitting the three. In fact, he was hitting the three at a high percentage of the last dozen to 15 games right before uh, the shutdown. So it, it's a good question. But I also think that there, there's a trust factor developing with this group. And there's also chemistry on and off the floor for this group. They, they really appreciate each other. A lot of guys, they're fighting for minutes, and you don't see that kind of emotion from their teammates that are on the bench. But these guys celebrate each other. 
When they're not on the floor, you look at the bench and they're going crazy for their teammates. So I don't think that it's going to be a problem for a young group because their legs are going to be there. The interesting part is what about the guys that are 34, 35, the veteran squats and getting back and and getting into a rhythm as a group? Uh, Because the younger guys, it doesn't take much for them, does it? When you're 21, 22, 23, or 24. (laughs) And especially if you play like the Pels do with pace and space and a lot of rhythm. Right. I know that the everybody's crushed the numbers about the seeding games and, and you know, the, the schedule numbers were, were obvious, you know, and, and by the numbers only, you know, it says that the Pelicans have the easiest schedule of everybody in Orlando. But I feel like that's kind of a false sense of security, Joel. I feel like when if you keep pounding that, you want people to, to buy into it when, uh, you know, as well as I do, a young team in this kind of situation, they're going to have to get control of their emotions quickly and then not worry about what the schedule strength or something else is supposed to be. They're going to have to focus on each game, playing each opponent, you know, at a high level. Where do you where do you stand in terms of just how it syncs up for the Pelicans, you know, strategically, schedule-wise, the amount of games, who they're playing, and how it all fits in? Well, I would agree with you regarding the strength of schedule had it not been that their first two games are against winners and their first two games are severe. The Utah Jazz who are trying to move up. And the second game in particular, the Clippers, who have really been a tough matchup. And also remember, nobody has home court anymore. And the Clippers are only two up on Denver in the loss column for the two seed. Well, game number two for the Clippers, I'd say it works to the Pels' advantage if the Clippers and the Utah Jazz were game seven and eight, and they may not need it. But at the same time, the Clippers, they want to make sure they don't see the Lakers until they have to, which they would like to see the Lakers. If the Lakers or the Clippers get there, that's the conference finals. So I'm not buying into the Pelicans got a break and the Pelicans had an easier schedule because, in fact, winning percentage-wise, they have a more difficult schedule over the eight than they would have had over the 18 remaining because they had played 64 because they still had two games left with Washington. They still had a home and away left with the Atlanta Hawks. They still had Charlotte coming to New Orleans. They have the New York Knicks. So strength of schedule, it can be misleading percentage-wise because the first two games are going to tell us a lot about the Pels' chances of either finishing eight or nine. As you and I both know, you can finish nine within four, then you've got a shot with the the play-in scenario. And, And that's a possibility. But they've got to get one of the first two or it's going to be extremely difficult. Yeah, that's a great point. Zion has had such a roller coaster of a rookie season, if you will, just in terms of not being available early on. Then when we saw him, finally, we get to see these bursts and flourishes of just next level athleticism and, you know, finishing ability. I hear he's in great shape, you know, and, and everybody attacked the, the downtime in their own way. What do, you, what do you expect from him when we see him in Orlando? As, uh, if he's in as good a shape as people think and as is locked in as, as I, I think we both know he'll be. Well, you, you have to remember the, the players that were rehabbing, uh, there were three guys. They were still allowed to go to the facility. Mm-hmm. So Zion's in good shape. Uh, what I like about Zion is his attitude more than anything else. It's not about him at all. It's not about the individual numbers when it comes to Zion. And he's been prepared. It's almost like a guy who gets the ball safely when he gathers and he takes his time. Zion is a person, when you ask him a question, he pauses, he gathers. He's got a poise about him. And he's just way, way beyond his years as far as maturity. 
So his, his mom, his dad, his stepdad, they've all done an incredible job. So he's in good shape. And then you look at what he was doing towards the end before the pandemic and before the season was suspended. Uh, he was playing at a really high level. He was getting up and down the floor. He knew what he could do. He knew what he did well. It, it still amazes me how feathery his touches around the rim. For a guy that looks like he should be an outside linebacker, he's got it's just <laughs> his flexibility, his dexterity. He's amazing for the way his appearance is. So Zion's in good shape. That's, I don't think that's going to be an issue at all. In fact, if they ask me how to coach this team going in, I'm going to run people because that's going back to the young legs the Pels have and the pace they can play with. So uh, especially like a Utah team that's not going to have Bogdanovich in the first game and take Gobert as often as possible out of the equation, get up and down the floor and don't let them play half court where he can protect the rim. So Zion's in good shape. And I've ran into Josh Smith recently and seen other guys. They're in pretty good shape. They've taken care of themselves. There's a purpose and there should be a purpose. These young guys should be on a mission right now. That's what it boils down to. You talk about young guys on this team and, you know, you mentioned Brandon Ingram, obviously, you know, and, and Zion. You you actually brought up a guy that I think is has been a little bit overlooked this year in Lonzo Ball. Um, the growth in him from, you know, last season to now, has it just been about him grinding and, and diving in in his work ethic or has there been something that's pushed that? What changed for him from one season to the next in, in New Orleans? Well, when you get traded, doesn't that motivate you and challenge you even more? So the I'll show them mentality. And then he put in the time before, after. I mean, when they finished practice, he and Brandon Ingram are out there with Fred Vinson, the assistant coach. I mean, you can't believe the shots they get up there. It's like when a golfer finishes in a tournament at the end of his round and he goes over to the driving range. He doesn't stop. He continues to work. So I think that the motivation there, plus both guys have let Griff know, and he mentioned that uh, recently in a uh, press conference. He mentioned both guys are committed. They want to stay in New Orleans for the long term. They're developing an environment in that locker room where these guys really get along. And then once you get a group together, your core group, and they're all around the same age, it seems, except for the three vets earlier that I mentioned, uh, then they could do something special as a group. And they could grow up as a group. And then we could watch them ascend. And then when they get to Orlando, we always talk about policing the locker room and taking care of each other. And I think that's going to be the case for these guys, especially those that don't have a spot guaranteed. The guys that are going to say, hey, don't mess it up for us. We're all on the same page. We all have the same goals. Now let's stay focused and, and be a part of things as a group. And Alonso's a quiet guy, but his teammates really like him. You can tell. And then he's got length to the defensive end of the floor. The shot is dramatic. The change, I've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. And then the way he was shooting, he was close to 40% over the last dozen games. He had a career best seven triples just a few games before the break. The Alonzo Ball, has, I think he has a sense of, and I think he's way beyond his years uh, after all he's been through, being the number two pick and the expectations, the pressure, and then being in a major market in L.A. before coming to New Orleans. I think it all is falling into place at the right time for these young guys because they're, they're all basically the same age, 20, 21, 22, 23 maybe. That's about it. There's a huge group on this team in that same window. I would imagine that does serve a great purpose for, for how you're trying to build that culture. 
you talk about police in the locker room or just guys holding each other accountable. How much has changed with David Griffin and his crew in there in terms of just culture building? I know Alvin, you know, is the coach and, and a lot of that tone is set by him, but he and Griff had a pre-existing relationship, obviously knew each other well. They'd worked together before. How, how critical a change is it to have that brand new culture, you know, and that tone set by Griff and his staff for the Pelicans? It's massive. You can't underestimate it. You know, Griff brought in Trajan, Langdon, Swin Cash. Remember that Hall of Famer Teresa Witherspoon, right. and she's helping out. See her a lot in the gym, you know, back and forth between the G League team and Erie. It's kind of like the voice of reason. Been there and done that with somebody like Trajan and Swin and Teresa. There's a trust factor. The environment's dramatically different. It's the culture, the environment, just the vibe around the team is totally different. It's a major transformation. Night and day from before. Because everything before was kind of like, let's patch it around Anthony Davis. Now they're building for sustainable growth. It's not, you see, it's not with Griff and everybody in the front office I just mentioned. It's not about today because they're building something that's going to be for the long term. And uh, they've done an incredible job. And then Mrs. B, Mrs. Benson, Griff said, we need to do this, we need to do that. Now, remember, this building is beautiful. It was only seven years old, the facility. Blew it up. She put like mm-hmm. six, seven million more in to open things up to the specs that Griff wanted. So there's a total commitment, total investment all the way around. And this is only my eighth year with the franchise, but it's night and day. It's not the same at all. So I give Griff credit for bringing in everybody that he's brought in because now there's the the believability that what the Saints have done on the other side of the parking lot, because you know it's separate buildings, and what Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, their front office, what that group has done, it can be done on the other side with the Bells facility. Everybody believes that now. That's awesome. Joel Myers joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast talking New Orleans Pelicans as we get ready to restart this NBA season July 30th in Orlando. Joe, we, we're headed to the happiest place on earth, so we got to get some keys to the Magic Kingdom for the Pelicans. When we come back, we're going to take a break and talk more Pelicans in just a minute. Welcome back to the Hangtime Podcast. Seku Smith, joined by Joel Myers, talking Pelicans as we get ready for the restart of this NBA season in Orlando. And anytime you're talking Disney, you're talking the Magic Kingdom. But somebody's got to have the keys to the Magic Kingdom for the Pelicans. And there's been so much attention on this guy. The king of the castle, I like to say. What does Zion have to do in Orlando to be at his effective best? Exactly what he was doing before the break. Just letting the game come to him. Because he's, he's not going to be on the ball. He's off the ball. And then the communication, uh, just keep up with, with uh, Lonzo. Lonzo and Zion are developing great chemistry. So when you say, what does he have to do for the Pels to succeed? Exactly what he was doing before. Filling up the box slowly but surely, methodically. And uh, he was super efficient doing that. If we're looking at the beauty and the beast scenario for the Pelicans in terms of matchups in the playoffs, which, what's the beauty matchup? for the Pelicans in Orlando in the playoffs if they get there? Well, if they get there, it's the Lakers mm-hmm. because he had the trade. Going back to L.A. for the first time with Brandon Ingram and Lonzo and Josh Hart, there was a buzz. There was an electricity in that building. So there's no guarantee that they're going to make the playoffs. But, yeah, it would be 
we couldn't Hollywood couldn't script it. Anymore. <laughs> no question. What, what's the beast matchup? Which one do you think, if you're looking at on paper, this is the one you'd want the Pelicans to avoid? Clippers. Mm. They didn't match up with Montrezl Harrell. He was speaking of beast. He was a bully. He got what he wanted. Now Zion can negate some of that, putting a body on a body. But there's experience on the side of Montrezl Harrell. There's there's a he's now he belongs and he knows. So, and, and then they're a deep squad. So from my, from my perspective, Clippers, bad, bad matchup. If, uh, if there's one thing that the Pelicans have to let go of on the way to Orlando, what do they leave behind in terms of regular season tendencies if they want to be successful? Turnovers. They, they cleaned it up from time to time, uh, but they can't win at a great rate in Orlando if they're turning the ball over 18 to 20 times a game. They play with pace, so there's going to be more possessions anyway, as we both know. So if they could limit their turnovers between 14 and 16 a game, they have a really good chance to succeed. We get a genie and they get three wishes for the Pelicans in Orlando. What, what, did, what would the three wishes be? Well, my number one wish is to see Brandon Ingram playing at a really high level, like the first 25, 30 games of the season and then the last 10 before the pandemic. Brandon Ingram, he's going to be a really, really solid player for a long time, an all-star, an all-NBA-level talent. So that's my first wish. The confidence factor in his game, his stroke, he's a wonderful young guy. It's easy to be around and to pull for Brandon Ingram. Uh, Number two, Lonzo Ball, just do what he was doing. I mean, he was the last 15 games before we suspended the season, Lonzo Ball was playing at a very high level, and he was not forcing things. Turnovers were down because the ball's going to be in his hands. And probably the last thing, Drew Holiday's defense, whoever it might be, because remember they swept during the regular season, uh, Drew Holiday's defense is as good as you'll find on the perimeter in the NBA. Drew being sound, being healthy, and then the natural leader that he is, uh, I like Drew Holiday against anybody at the defensive end of the floor. I I love some of these young teams who are going to be in this bubble environment, Joe. Um, And as you mentioned, the Pelicans have a host of young guys, guys in their, some in their teens, some in their early 20s. Which Pelican shows up and is the rowdiest fan at an opposing team's game? (laughs) (laughs) If Josh Hart's on the bench, okay. Josh is Josh is a feisty guy. See, what I love about Josh Hart's game is he plays hard all the time. He doesn't waste any time or any possessions on the floor. You know, I'm glad you brought it up, though, Seku. Here's to me what could be fun for all of us, because hopefully we don't pump in crowd noise and everything else. The bench. See, the bench and the sounds from the bench employing their teammates are calling out ice, ice, switch, back door and helping your teammates on the floor. And the Pelicans, as I said earlier in our conversation, that's what the Pels do really well as a group. They care about each other. They're trying to help each other. So I want to see chemistry-wise, who's not in the game, as you bring up, who's going to be the guy? Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Frank Jackson, they're all in for their teammates, and that's really healthy. These guys are young fashion plates, I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who's most likely to keep up their fashion game 
in Orlando? Who's got enough clothes to pack? Well, I think the young guys, Lonzo, Josh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I think the young guys, they're on top. (laughs) So I wouldn't put anything past them. I think they're going to be prepared when it comes to the fashion game. We may lead the league. I'm talking about overall depth. In the <laughs> We're pretty strong there. Very strong there. Depth in the fashion game. And Brandon game. Ingram, too. <laughs> Depth in the fashion game. That might be a new stat we're going to get. New advanced <laughs> metric. Depth in the fashion game. Finally, and, and everybody goes into the bubble with, with huge dreams. So if, if we're talking perfect scenarios for the Pelicans, get a fairy tale ending here. They they not only get there and tear it up in the seeding games, make the playoffs, you know, just do the unthinkable. What's the scenario you could see, dream scenario, where the Pelicans could actually get their hands on a Larry O'Brien trophy in Orlando? Well, that you got to get up a seventh game in the first round. To me, that's where it starts. See, this is, these are playoff games. The dream scenario is first they got there, okay? They're included. These guys that came from the Lakers that we've been talking about, the Lakers, they haven't been to the playoffs for six years. These guys never had reps like this. So every game building up to those are playoff games, all eight. And then if you can get five or six wins out of those eight, then go to game seven in the first round. Then take a really good team, whoever that might be, to a seventh game and put doubt in their mind. If you can get that and you can grow that way, then all of a sudden you're making a statement of the rest of the league that you can't be taken lightly. So I'm not going to get past the eight games because the eight games to me are meaningful reps for a super young team. And I think J.J. Reddick said it best when he said that conversation with Zion. You remember at the beginning of the year? <laughs> you know, I've been to the playoffs every year I've been in this league, so don't you know what it up. <laughs> so I'm not going past the eight games, but if you can get there, and then take that number one seat. That would be really entertaining if you can get to a seventh game in the first round. Man, oh man! Yeah, it would. That would be truly a, a spectacular finish uh, to this season for the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, and and, and Seku, as you know, the network the network wouldn't like it at all to have Zion in a game seven in his first year. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Joel Myers joining us to talk New Orleans Pelicans here on the Hang Time Podcast. Looking forward to not only the restart of this season, Joel, but certainly to, to hearing you do your thing as always, Cover the Pills. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you, Sager. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've I've lost count. Or... Shoot that! Shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it.
Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.